Saucy Staff Bros Podcast. I'm Kyle, alongside my co-host Brandon, and today's episode, our last preview episode of the year, is a preview of the Big 12 Conference. So, as usual, we'll get started with last year's reviews of the, the best teams in the Big 12. Brandon, you want to get us started? For sure. Um, Big 12 is an easy start because they have the past uh, champion, the Kansas Jayhawks. Um, Bill Self took this team from the Midwest one seed, had them rolling all the way through to the championship game where they beat North Carolina. They beat Villanova on their way. They beat Miami on their way. They had just rolled right through past everybody. Um, I did think that they got a little bit lucky with Villanova dealing with injuries and overall the weakest region, in my opinion, from last year, but you couldn't deny how strong they were with Ochayabaji, uh, Christian Braun, David McCormick. Um, all around, they were a solid team. Uh, I enjoyed watching them. Christian Braun would have been my national player of the year going into this year, but then he went to the NBA just like Ochayabaji. So they are not bringing back too many players. Uh, Bill Self also did a self-imposed ban this offseason for recruiting based on that uh, level one violation investigation that was going on. They denied everything, and it's back from like 2013 or whatever, so they said they did nothing, but just because they were looking in, they thought they would be nice and just do a self-imposed ban because the NCAA really can't do anything now about it. So overall, Kansas Jayhawks, great season last year. We'll see how they end up this year. I'll swing it back to you for Texas Tech. Yeah, thanks, Brandon. So Texas Tech Red Raiders, uh, obviously a team that's had a lot of hype the past few years. Um, Back in 2019, they went all the way to the championship uh, under head coach Chris Beard. Uh, this last year, Texas Tech earned a three seed, uh, and actually Chris Beard's first year gone as the Red Raiders head coach. Um, so Chris Beard's longtime assistant, Mark Adams, stepped up to the plate at Texas Tech. Um, longtime Red Raider, uh, Coach Adams led this team to a three seed in March Madness. Um, players like Bryson Williams, uh, Kevin O'Banner, Terrence Shannon Jr., uh, Kevin McCuller, uh really led this team to a strong performance in the Big 12 last year. Uh, they, I believe they swept Baylor um, in regular season, uh, and they won a lot of other games uh, in what was really a deep Big 12 conference last year. Um, so while they fell to eventual Final 14 Duke uh, in what was Coach K's last year uh, in 2022 March Madness, um, Texas Tech is going to be relevant for the near future and probably beyond that. So... Look for Mark Adams' squad to be competitive again this year and likely make the tournament. And with that, I'll send it back to you, Brandon, for our next team, uh, Texas Tech's rival, the Texas Longhorns. Yeah, so Chris Beard, you just talked about him. He left Texas Tech to go to Texas. He managed to bring in a fair amount of transfers. Uh, Marcus Carr from your Golden Gophers. Uh, Timmy Allen, uh, I think Christian Bishop was a transfer as well. But all around, he puzzle-pieced this team that he took over a little bit late and 
made something out of nothing. He got this team to be a six seed in the tournament. They eventually lost to Purdue. But overall, they handled their first opponent, Virginia Tech, very easily. Uh, they brought back for this upcoming year Timmy Allen and Marcus Carr, Christian Bishop. They lost Andrew Jones and Courtney Ramey. Uh, Courtney Ramey was basically one of their veterans for that team. They didn't have much for leadership, for very much experience from winning programs at all. So Ramey was basically the only guy who you could say was like a returning veteran for like the team in general which isn't saying much because Chris Beard it was his first year and so it was a new system all around but overall to puzzle piece that team together it was pretty impressive by coach Beard Um, they will be looking to build on what they had last year I know they really didn't seem satisfied at all so we'll see what they can do uh, the last team to get a win, I'll let you talk about them, and they're the TCU Horned Frogs. Yep, so the last team in the Big 12 to get a win in the first round of March Madness last year uh, was, in fact, TCU. Um, TCU was a nine seed in March Madness last year. Uh, they won their first round matchup, and they took Arizona to the wire, uh, one seed Arizona to the wire in the second round and eventually fell there. So while TCU didn't really get too far last year, uh, they still had a strong year. uh, And then this year, they retained all five of their starters from last year. So TCU is going to be a lot better. Uh, All their players are going to grow. So yeah, they lost a couple of players in Farabello and Evans from their bench last year. But really look for this TCU team to to be strong again in a strong conference and and really take off. Um, and I know that Jimmy Dixon hasn't had a whole lot of success at TCU since he arrived there in 2016. Uh, but if you go back to Dixon's time at Pittsburgh, uh, Dixburg had a Dixburg, Pittsburgh. Uh, Jimmy Dixon at Pittsburgh had an elite eight appearance in 2009. Uh, in his first year at Pittsburgh, actually, uh, Coach Dixon got a one seed in the tournament. He was 31-5, and five, uh, and he made the Sweet 16. So overall, uh, a lot of good pieces with this TCU team. Uh, expect them to be, to be competitive this year. And with that, Brandon, uh, we'll turn you back to you to look at what's ahead uh, for Texas this year. Uh, I am so glad you missed this one. TCU wasn't the last team to get a win. Iowa State, they're Big 12. We totally forgot to mention them. <laughs> they beat my Badgers. Completely forgot. Uh, yeah, I completely forgot that I was thinking well, about it. I was well, like, there okay. was another team Here's to get thing. a win. Here's the thing. I don't care about the Badgers one bit, so I completely forgot that Iowa State was even there. They beat the Badgers, so I thought you would be celebrating them this episode. No, the Badgers <laughs> so... are relevant. Badgers are not relevant, guys. Ignore him. I mean, Iowa State had the best path imaginable. They went up against LSU for their first game, and LSU was a dumpster fire going into the tournament. Will Wade <laughs> was just fired. It was just doomed for LSU. 
Then they faced the Badgers, who were definitely overvalued. So all around, Iowa State had probably the best possible march, given their situation, because they were not strong either. Uh, They had Kelcher, they had uh, Brockenham, and Tyrese Hunter. So they had decent players. And they had an incredible start of the season, and then they just did terrible in Big 12 play. Got bid to the tournament, took advantage of their positioning, and won a couple games. Uh, So, yeah, Iowa State. They're in the Big 12. Yes. Oh, this is yeah, a dumpster fire to that. start. Holy crap. Uh, yeah, Iowa State definitely was one of the most memorable teams uh, to start the year last year. Um, and like you said, they really just took advantage of what was in front of them. Uh, despite a bad February, bad January, uh, the Cyclones came out swinging in March, and, and they made the most of it. And, hey, I appreciate the humility in you saying that Wisconsin was overvalued last year. Uh, you got to level head on your shoulders for at least some of this episode. Yep. Yep. I, I can't say Iowa State was one of the best teams in the country, and that's why Wisconsin lost. I just have to be honest and say they were overvalued. Yep. Yeah, Iowa State was not the, the number one team in the country last year. Um, However, uh, they had a lot of good players, like you said, um, and, and they made the most of what was in front of them. So now we'll move ahead to Texas this upcoming year um, and what to expect uh, with the Longhorns. So like you said, Brandon, uh, last year was really just kind of a, a team that it felt like it was an essay thrown together at 11 o'clock p.m. an hour before it was due. Um, Chris Beard just threw something together and tried to make it work and Ultimately, he did find success. Uh, they got a six seed in March Madness. Uh, they they advanced one run in March Madness. But it was not at all what Texas was supposed to be at the start of the season last year. If you remember, they were AP number five in the preseason poll. Uh, they got whooped by Gonzaga in, in their first loss of the year. And they really kind of struggled to stay ranked throughout the year. Um, so looking ahead to this year, Texas isn't going to have all of that that transient um, aura of all their players moving in and out, um, all these transfers, it's going to be a lot steadier uh, with Timmy Allen returning, Marcus Carr returning, Christian Bishop returning, uh, three of their uh, more impactful players in terms of scoring uh, are all coming back. Uh, But then you look at what Texas is bringing in as well. Uh, Tyrese Hunter at Iowa State, you just mentioned him. Uh, He was an impact player for the Cyclones last year. And then for another transfer, they bring in uh, Serge Ibarri Rice, uh, 11.9 points per game at New Mexico State. Another impact transfer. Um, And then, obviously, Chris Beard, one of the best recruiters in the nation. Uh, He brings in some of the best recruits in the nation, as one can expect. Uh, Dylan Mitchell, number four recruit in ESPN Top 100. Arterio Morris, number 17. Uh, And then Rowan Brombaugh, number 90. Uh, Along with... uh, Alex Anamakwe. Uh, so there's four recruits, uh, three of which are ranked in the top 100. Thanks for that thumbs up. I killed that name. Uh, but yeah, Texas, uh, definitely a team to watch. They have a good blend uh, of a returning block along with um, some really good recruits and transfers. And then Brandon, I'll hand it back to you uh, for TCU. What do you think TCU uh, looks like this coming year? 
TCU looks like they did last year. Bring back the most minutes in Division One, one power conference, I think. So they have their star guard, Mike Miles, coming back. He wasn't 100% most of the year last year, so his 15.4 points per game might be considered low. So he could see massive growth. Uh, they have... Damian Bow, Emmanuel Miller, Chuck O'Bannon, Eddie Lampkin. All around, they're going to have a great team. Uh, you cannot deny that this team that got a nine seed last year and a tournament win last year is going to go downhill. They also brought in a four-star. Uh, good scorer, P.J. Haggerty. He'll have... Good growth in the future. I don't see him starting off the bat because they brought back all their starters. It'll be tough to get playtime as a freshman, but I think he will get a fair amount of playtime. They also brought in Rondell Walker from Oklahoma State and Tyler Lundblade from SMU. He didn't play, but still a couple of good transfers as well because they did lose Farabello and Evans. They were bench players, but to deepen your bench, it's a great thing, especially when you're looking at one of the best teams and probably considered the best conference in college basketball. So look for TCU to grow this year. Look for them to be a solid team, be on a lot of people's radars, and perform very nicely. So other than that, I don't know much else for... TCU, besides, they're just bringing back everybody. So just look for growth and the same as last year. So with that, I'm going to ask you, what do you see for, where do you see TCU landing for you in your standings? Well, before we get to TCU, why don't I just give you my whole standing list right now? All right. That works for you. I'm going to start at the bottom. Uh, so there's 10 teams in the Big 12 uh, that's going to be changing in upcoming years with the all the uh, conference realignment, which is exciting. Uh, but for now, the Big 12 is still only 10 teams. So at the bottom, at number 10, I have the Kansas State Wildcats. Um, Jerome Tang, first-year coach, uh, replacing uh, Bruce Weber, who was kind of forced to resign last year. Not a whole lot of uh, good things going on for Kansas State this year. Um, they lost a lot of their talent last year. Nigel Pack transferred out. Mark Smith also gone. Um, they do bring back Marquise Noel, 12.4 points per game, uh, but not a whole lot of reason to keep this team out of the cellar in the, in the Big 12. Then at number nine, West Virginia. I've got uh, Bob Hoggins Mountaineers. Uh, once again, near the bottom of the Big 12. And then at number eight, I have Oklahoma State. Number seven, Oklahoma. Uh, number six, I've got Iowa State. At number five, I have the defending champion, defending NCAA champion from last year, Kansas Jayhawks, uh, led by Coach Bill Self. Number four, I've got Texas Tech, the Red Raiders. Number three, I have the Baylor Bears. Number two, I've got TCU. And at number one, Horns up this year. I have got the Texas Longhorns winning it in the Big 12. What are your thoughts on that, Brandon? 
I think this might be either your worst or second worst standings imaginable. Really? I I don't like this at all. We aren't too far off. I'll give you that. <laughs> but where we are far off? Really? Enlighten me. Alright, I'm going to start off. We're going to talk about when we get to my standings, the team that I want to talk to you about the most. But we're just going to ignore that for now. So I'm going to ask you about Oklahoma. You have Tanner Groves coming back. You have pretty decent transfers coming in. Uh, Sherfield from Nevada. Uh, Bam Mizzle or whoever from George Washington. You have them at seventh on your list. Why are you so low on Oklahoma? Well, before I get into Oklahoma specifically, can you agree with me that the Big 12 is a deep conference? Yeah, it's the best conference in college basketball, in my opinion. So it's top to bottom. Any team can be in the tournament. That's a legit assessment. So going off of that, I don't think Oklahoma is going to be that bad this year. Um, But there's a lot of good teams in the Big 12. Um, Is Oklahoma really going to be better than Kansas or Baylor or TCU? I don't think so. Um, Oklahoma loses Mojic Gibson, their top scorer from last year. He's gone. Jordan Goldwire, 10.4 points per game last year. He's gone. Elijah Harkless, 10 points per game last year. He's gone. Uh, So, yeah, Oklahoma's going to be reloading. but look, last year they missed the tournament too. Uh, they they aren't really going to stand out this year as making any huge leaps in the Big 12 to me. Um, and it's not that they're that Oklahoma's the problem. It's just that I can't justify putting them ahead of Iowa State or Kansas or Texas Tech. How can you not put them above Iowa State? Because Iowa State basically is just... Kate, Gabe uh, Kelcher coming back. That's it. Uh, they do have Grill and uh, Kunick and Jones, but none of them really did anything. It's just basically going to be Kelcher, freshman, and transfers, where I think Groves is a stronger player, and then Hill and other Groves, they have more returning than Iowa State. So how can you justify putting Iowa State above Oklahoma? Uh, the short answer, Sky Umago Gophers. Uh, the long answer, uh, I do think Gabe Kelcher is a good player. Uh, I think that he's better than the 9.6 points per game he had last year. Um, he's a really good perimeter shooter when he's on. And he's struggled in the past couple of years, uh, but he started to find his stride last year at Iowa State. I think he will continue to find his stride this year at Iowa State. And Iowa State is in a similar position uh, to Oklahoma. I think that Brockington is a bit bigger of a hit. I think Tyrese Hunter's a bit bigger of a hit than Oklahoma. Uh, but this Iowa State team is bringing in a lot of experience uh, with their transfers. So they don't have the raw talent in the recruits, uh, but they have Jaron Holmes, uh, St. Bonaventure, high-impact transfer. Um, Osun Osuni, another high-impact transfer at St. Bonaventure. Jeremiah Williams, uh, 9.5 points per game at Temple. Uh, definitely a decent player at the worst. Um and Hayson Ward, uh, a VCU transfer, again, a 
decent player, I think, at the worst. So Iowa State has a lot of uh, shifting this year. I still see them at the at the top of the of the bottom half in the Big Twelve. Okay then. So, <laughs> I I don't agree with you at all. Uh, we'll just keep on going up the list here. Kansas, the tell, tell me you see Kansas, my logic though. I see that you're from Minnesota. I <laughs> that's about all I can give you. That's I, that's all I can give you. That you're from Minnesota, Fair so enough. I see your Minnesota roots. Next up on your I'm... list is Kansas, so might as well just continue that trade. You have the returning champ or the last year's champs down in fifth in the conference. How? Yeah, they're they're the defending champs, uh, but look at what they're losing from last year and what's coming in. Uh, so yes, Kansas does have a talented recruiting class. I'll circle back to that. But Kansas loses Ochai Agbaji, uh, the the star player from last year at Kansas. Agbaji is gone. Christian Braun, who you said earlier in this episode would be your pick for player of the year had he not left to the NBA, he's gone. David McCormick, impact player on the inside. Big man. Uh, really, really talented big man at that. Um, he's gone. Remy Martin, their point guard, transferred from Arizona State. He came up clutch in March Madness last year. They would not have won a tournament without Remy Martin. He's gone. Uh, and then you add on top of that, Mitch Lightfoot, uh, 4.7 points per game. Jalen Coleman lands 3.9 points per game. Uh, two of their bench players also gone. So, yeah, they bring back Jalen Wilson. Uh, but, and? And who else? Uh, Dewan Harris Jr., Joseph Yasufu. Zach Clements, Bobby Pettiford, KJ Adams. Those names don't sound too familiar from March Madness last year. Those guys were on the bench. So yes, now to the Kansas newcomers. Uh, they bring in number 14 in the nation, Grady Dick. Uh, they bring in Ernest Uda, number 23 in the nation. They bring in MJ Rice, number 30 in the nation. Uh, and they bring in Zubi Ijofor, number 75 in the nation. Uh, four really good players, but they're replacing four guys who were also really good and had experience. Uh, these guys have no experience at the collegiate level. Uh, and so, yeah, Kansas is, is not going to be bad this year. Um, they just aren't going to have what they had last year. And additionally, Kevin McCuller comes in from Texas Tech, talented Red Raider last year. Um, he will help anchor this team on the top half of the Big 12. But outside of that, it's just a too competitive of a conference to be – at the top again when Kansas lost the players that gave them their national title. Uh, that's very fair. I mean, I put them in the same exact spot. I just wanted to see you sweat a little bit on <laughs> explaining them. I was ready for that uh, to be clear. I was ready for you to question my Kansas ranking, but I firmly believe that this team is not what they were last year. They will definitely not be, uh, ranked where they are in a month. You you really said it best. I mean, I would have said the same exact thing, so I just really wanted to mess <laughs> with you. So, 
Uh, and the big questions will come from my complete opposite standing. So I'll get into that if you're ready for that. All right. So if that's all the questions you have for me, then yes, let's dive into your incorrect rankings in the Big 12. Starting at number 10, Kansas State. Starting at 9, West Virginia. Those two, you said it best. Bottom of the barrel. Not really much from them. So I'll give you that being correct. Seven, I had, or no, eight, my bad. Eight, I have Iowa State. Seven, Texas Tech. Six, Oklahoma. Five, Kansas. Four, TCU. Three, Baylor. Two, Oklahoma State. And number one, Longhorns as well. So first things first, horns up. Texas is going to win the Big 12 this year. Okay, well, the elephant in the room is Oklahoma State. I suppose we should start there. Yep. I don't I see a whole lot of one. promise, and I don't see a whole lot of promise in Mike Boynton's squad this year. Uh, but apparently, you do. So, enlighten me. Yeah, I avoid that one because this is a little bit more of a stretch, so it wouldn't sound smart asking you about Oklahoma State, where it'll sound smart when I talk about Oklahoma State. So this team was not allowed to be in the tournament last year. They didn't participate in the Big 12 tournament because they had the suspension, so they just didn't participate. But they had a solid team. They had a bubble team at the very least. They weren't playing for much, but they still had a decent team and probably would have won a few more games if they tried a little bit harder. But when you look at their team, you have a 7-1 center who gives you good minutes, 7.2 points per game, 6.5 boards per game. He's returning. And I'd see massive growth. He was at 20 minutes per game. So if he could bump it up to about 25, 26, he would be very solid, probably averaging near a double-double, which would be really good for the team all around. They have their guard, Avery Anderson the third coming back. That is 12.1 points per game. Decent shot, decent overall player who can score the basket. And on top of that all, you are not losing that much from this team. Sure, you're losing Bryce Williams, Isaac Likely, and Kalen Boone. But overall, like that's very replaceable, which is exactly what they did. They went and got John Michael Wright from High Point. When you are able to get 18.4 points per game at the collegiate level, the Division One level, that's going to be a good player. Then Caleb Asbury, 13.6 at Texas State. Not as strong, but still, that's decent numbers. I think that's very reasonable to say that it could easily replace a six points per game type player. Then 13.1 uh, points per for per game for Russell Harrison at UL Monroe. 
like I said with Asbury, they're just bringing back players. And they're bringing in players. They have uh, Quinion uh, Williams, who I think is a decent freshman. All He shoots, he attacks, he defends. He's He plays basketball at a decent level. He'll be a really good addition to the bench. I see that as easily replacing some of the minutes leaving. They also have Chris Harris, who didn't play because of an injury last year. So a team that is coming off of being unable to play in March, a team returning a fair amount of talent, a 7-1 center, which I know you like the big men, so I'm saying 7-1 center, 7.2 points per game. That is a good player in your book. So how you have Oklahoma State down at 8th, I don't understand. I just see this team as that very low into the season that has a lot of potential, a high roof that they could easily climb. And I see them winning a lot of their big games and making it a dogfight at the top with Texas, Baylor, and TCU. The only way I see Oklahoma State being in contention like that is if they, if the Big 12 is so clustered that they are just automatically in contention because they have at least a 500 record. Honestly, uh, I get what you're saying. Uh, what you said, a lot of it is logical. You definitely turned my own words against me when you said that 18.4 points per game anywhere in the D1 level is at least a decent player. Uh, I do agree with that. Um, and additionally, uh, the seven-one center uh, Musa Sissi is going to be good. Uh, I agree with that as well. Uh, seven point two points per game uh, at that size is really impressive. Twenty minutes per game at that size is really impressive. Um, but again, the reason I have them so low is because the Big Twelve is just deep. I mean, I don't see them bringing in anyone that really stands out to me to make them better than last year. I think that. Well, you could be correct. It's just a deep conference. So we'll go with that. That's very fair. The next team I want to talk to you about, uh, you faded Texas Tech all the way down to seven. Um, Explain to me what the big drop is uh, in Texas Tech this year. I, I do like this Texas Tech team. Don't get me wrong. I like Adams. I all around like this team, but I don't see enough wins coming from this team. You do have O'Banner. O'Banner is excellent. I will always be a fan of O'Banner. Great player. You have uh, Bancho. Bancho. Uh, we've been terrible with pronouncing names this episode, so we're just going to stick with Bancho or Bancho. Uh, he didn't play all that much last year. Um, those are the two returners going to be in the starting lineup, in my opinion, if they both are in the starting lineup. You do have Harmon coming from Oregon. That I will give you as a decent player. Then you have uh, Ricky Isaacs, Richard Isaacs. I think he goes by Ricky. He's a decent freshman coming in, but I don't see... That skilled 
of a player. Uh, Elijah Fisher, he'll be decent. He's fast. He fights. He competes. He's going to be good. Don't get me wrong. I just don't see that high of a level of a player coming in. I, I know you're going to give me the Amak uh, or whatever from Utah Valley, 18.9 points per game, and Williams from Gardner-Webb at 14.5. But I see Mark Adams as a coach that likes to do hockey-type substitutions, where it's just a constant rotation of players, and I don't see enough players to rotate. So I think Mark Adams is going to switch his style of coaching a little bit, which will be a little bit of a fade of Texas Tech, and they'll struggle in clutch performances and be looking and searching for a team identity for too much of the season, which will put them at a downfall to start the season. And I think with how deep the Big 12 is, I think it's going to be an uphill battle for them because who can really say how strong they are? Uh, I know you're going to give me a great reason why they deserve to be four, but that's just my thoughts on why I fade them. Yep. That makes plenty of sense too, um, what you're saying. Um, I know Texas Tech uh, brings in a lot of good players, uh, but they also lose a lot. So given the Big 12 and how slippery it really is, um, they could have anywhere. That's a lot of teams in this conference. So I want to turn it back to you now um, with your standings. Who do you see as in March Madness this coming year? Who's out? And why? So I have the bubble going all the way down to Iowa State at eight. And I have West Virginia and Kansas State fading too hard when they hit Big 12 play. I could see these teams getting wins. I could see West Virginia making a case to be a bubble team, uh, especially with how they've looked this off season and how they've started their season with practices and stuff. They seem to be very happy and very content over there with their team. So they could obviously be a bubble team. I don't have them there yet. They could prove me wrong is all I'm saying. I do have Iowa state and Texas tech missing. I do think Oklahoma will make it in. I think Kansas, TCU, Baylor, Oklahoma State, and Texas will be very comfortably in. I have Oklahoma being the bubble team that does cross that threshold, but not by much. Huh. So you have Texas Tech missing this year. Yeah, it pains me to say, but if you look at Texas Tech, especially on the road... We'll go with on the road. Do you know how many teams that they have a winning record against on the road in this Big 12? Like under Coach Adams, or what's the time frame? Like altogether? Overall in Big 12 play. Okay. The program. 
winning records against other Big 12 teams. I would say that they have a winning record against five other teams on the road. On the road, they have a winning record against one. That's it. Really? As a program, one. they don't win. They won under is that, Beard. Is that Kansas State? But Yep, that's Kansas State. Uh, they're 19 and 18 at Kansas State. Uh, but overall, at Baylor, 23 and 24, they keep it close. 15 and 18 against Iowa State, 6 and 28 at uh, Kansas, which is terrible. 19 and 18 against Kansas State, 18 and 30 against Oklahoma, 18 and 35 against Oklahoma State. Uh, Oh, I lied. They do have two. TCU, 11 and 4 against huh. 11 and 41 against Texas and 5 and 12 against West Virginia. So, two, my mistake. I said a little bit of an error, but they struggle on the road. And especially with the turnover they have. And I don't know exactly how strong Mark Adams is because he had a lot of talent on his team. This will be a true test to see how Mark Adams is as a coach and not how good is Chris Beard's legacy. So I see a program with a coach that is very much in limbo right now. They could be fourth in the conference, like you think. Don't get me wrong. I I like Texas Tech. I will say that over and over and over again, but I just see them barely missing because they're going to go to these atmospheres and lose games that they should win. Do you see my logic there? I do see your logic there. Um, and it does make sense as to why they might, they might miss. Um, whereas Texas tech might not be the strongest team, in the big 12 this year, if they start dropping games that they shouldn't drop on the road, that will affect their status and could get them to the bubble. So, with yours, yep. who do you see in? Who do you see bubble? Who do you see out? So, I have six teams in. I only have six teams in, uh, and those six are my top six. So, Texas all the way down to Texas Tech, Kansas, Iowa State. So, the bottom four, uh, Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, West Virginia, Kansas State. Like you said, I think the bottom two, uh, West Virginia and Kansas State, I think are both uh, going to miss. They might make bubble consideration at some point in January or February if they go on a winning streak, uh, but they will not be in consideration in March. Um, as for the next two, um, I have Oklahoma State as one of my first teams out, uh, just missing. I have Oklahoma, even though they're a higher rank in the Big 12, um, also just missing, but probably more of a next four out so type of team. So I think both of the Oklahomas are going to be right there at the end of the year. And I think they both um, might not deliver in the Big 12 tournament and ultimately both will not make the NCAA tournament. Why don't you like the state of Oklahoma? I got nothing against the state of Oklahoma. I just don't see it with their basketball teams this year. I just don't. I, I think you did explain it well with Oklahoma. 
earlier. And yep. where do you see Iowa State falling in the bracket? In the bracket, uh, they're just going to, um, I mean, they're just going to squeak in. I have them outside of the first four. I have them, actually, I have them all up at a nine seed. So I think that they do finish the year strong. Um, they might not be in the tournament the whole year in like bracketology, for example, but I think that they do finish strong um, and, and reach all the way up to a nine seed. Who do you see winning the Big 12 tournament? Winning the Big 12 tournament? I have Texas right now. Um, I know it's the, the easy out. Uh, I think that TCU could do it. Um, but I have Texas as winning the Big 12 regular season and the Big 12 tournament right now. Um, I think that Texas and TCU are by far the best two in this conference right now. Um, I do see a lot of other uh, talent at the other teams um, with Baylor, Texas Tech, Kansas, for example. Um, but I don't think that those teams are nearly as good as Texas and TCU. That's very fair. Out of curiosity, uh, who do you have winning the Big 12 tournament? I have Baylor winning the Big 12 tournament. I see... Yep, I see them in a perfect position. I see Texas as very comfortable, unable to move in the tournament. Um, When they hit the Big 12 tournament, I think their seat is going to be locked basically they'll get enough wins to maintain status quo but they won't try as hard at the big 12 tournament because why injure yourself why push too hard etc etc and tcu with them being at four i see them in a tougher spot i see texas still trying to win that game and making life difficult Baylor and Oklahoma State, I see neck and neck, and I see them fighting for a three spot, and then the loser get a four spot. And I see Cryer, I see uh, Keynote George, and I see Flagler. Those are three elite guards. And when you have really good guard play fighting for a higher spot with a great coach in Scott Drew. I see them winning that game and then going up against Texas, who is just trying not to get injured. And I see their guards outperforming and them locking in that three seed. So that's why I see Baylor winning the Big 12 turn. Okay, that makes sense. It's interesting to hear your seeding in the Big 12 uh, for March Madness. I'll list off my so my six teams that I have in. Uh, I have Texas at a two seed uh, as the highest seed in the Big 12. I have TCU at a three seed. And then from there, I have a big drop-off. I have Baylor at a six seed. And then I have Texas Tech at an eight seed. I have Iowa State at a nine seed. And I have Kansas as well as an eight, an eight seed. Um, so a couple of lower lower-end teams there. In, in March Madness than you would think. I'm shocked that you didn't drop Iowa State to like a 10 seed. You just kind of bunched them all up in the 8-9 group. I did. Um, I'm considering 
Open Iowa State down at some point, uh, but for now, I do think that the Big 12 is going to be competitive um, and that those teams will all kind of cluster. That is very interesting. Bold prediction for you. Okay. That That is my bold prediction. Oh, I thought you were going to say that. Anyway. <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, how many wins do you see these teams getting? In March Madness? Mm-hmm. You're going to get some bold predictions now. Uh, so... My bold, my bold, bold predictions. Uh, I have, of those six teams I have in, I have four of them losing first round. I have Baylor really? falling first round. I have Baylor falling really? first round. I have Texas Tech falling first round. I have really? Kansas falling first round. And really? I have Iowa State falling first round. Yes. Really? That's going to blow your mind. Really? I can't believe you because you absolutely love Baylor and you have them as a six seed losing their first game. I do. And then you put all these big 12 teams up a little bit and just bunch them in the eight, nine. And then you have those three all losing their first game. I do. What can you say? I think that those teams just aren't quite as competitive nationally as they, as they were last year. Um, I think that most of the big 12 will look a lot more like the big 10 this year, uh, where it is a competitive conference, uh, but maybe not quite as strong nationally as it has been in the past. To continue on from those four teams, I know you're shaking your head at me still. Um, so TCU, I have making the elite eight, uh, and then Texas, I have as my preseason national champion, winning the whole damn thing. So you have them three-peating it. I have the Big 12 three-peating it, yep. Well, I do think that the Big 12 might not be as strong in March this year as they have been in the past. Um, this team, in Bill Walton's terms, is still the Conference of Champions uh, in modern college basketball. Uh, it's still going to produce... It's still going to produce uh, at least one or two top tier teams, and I think that they will produce the champion once again. Oh my gosh! Who do you have? Shout TCU out to losing shout out to Bill Walton. TCU. Uh, I have TCU losing to Houston. Oh, right, that's Houston. very fair. Yeah. Uh, and I, then I, I have Houston falling to Texas in the final four. Um, so God bless Texas this year, I guess, because those Texas teams are going to be really good. I, I don't have words. I really don't. <laughs> Except Texas Tech, I have losing in the first round. Uh, don't take it personally, uh, Raiders fans, but... Someone's got to lose first round, and unfortunately, it's your turn. So, I mean, change my mind this year. Uh, play better than – yeah, exactly. At least I put him there instead of this goofball over here not putting him in the tournament whatsoever. Um, yeah, sorry. Right, but right, play right, better, right. and I'll change my opinion of it. Brandon, uh, you have seven teams in. Uh, 
how far do you see them going in March? Um, I see, let's see here. Let's count them off. One, two, three, four wins first round. Six, four, five wins first round. Which two do not win first round? So I have Oklahoma as a 10 seed, losing to 7 seed. And who's my other team? Where did I put them? <laughs> Give me a sec. I'm, I'm asking the hard questions on you right now. Oh my gosh. I really should have highlighted them. Um, I do have TCU winning their first game. I have TCU at a seven seed. I have Kansas at nine seed winning their first game. Oh, I only have six teams in. That's why. Oh. So, so who didn't yeah, make it in I have, from your top seven? Texas Tech. I have them missing. I have Iowa yep. State missing. West Virginia, oh. Kansas State. I, Iowa like, State was the one that we missed earlier. Yeah, probably. Um, but yeah, I only have Oklahoma losing their first game. I okay. have Kansas as a nine seed winning their first game. TCU as a seven seed winning their first game. I have then Baylor, Oklahoma State, and Texas getting good seeding. I have Texas at two, Baylor at three, Oklahoma State at four. As I was explaining, my Big 12 champion for their Big 12 tournament. So I see Baylor getting two wins. I see Oklahoma State getting a tough second round and going out in the second round. I have... I'm going to call them your Longhorns because you are having them as the champion. I have them as the runner-up. Well, we agree on something that they'll make it there, make it to the title game uh, in Houston, uh, and they will have boy, they will have a strong home court advantage. Let me tell you. Yeah. Um, they Austin's going to have a mass exodus on that day, and they are going to be packed with orange. So you have them beating Houston in the final four. I in do. Houston. I do. That is going to be a crazy atmosphere if that happens. Oh my god, I am so looking forward to that. Will you will be, be there electric. if that happens? If I predict that preseason, I might be there, yeah. Uh, time will tell. That would be really, really cool if I predicted two of the final four um, right now. It's very reasonable. I'll give you that. It is. It is. Uh, do you know my other... Well, we'll say it for another episode, uh, but my other two final four are maybe a bit less predictable than Houston and Texas. Um, so the odds of me getting all four of the final four uh, in preseason, not that great. And Brandon, you'll save your final four uh, for our next episode as well. Uh, but what we're not going to save for the next episode uh, is the player of the year in the Big 12. Um, so I got five players on my list. You got five players on your list. Um, you want to go ahead and go first, or should I go first? Uh, up to you. Either way. All right. I'll let you judge me first. 
so I'll give you my players. So out of the Big 12, uh, in particular order, um, my top five Big 12 players of the year. Number one, I have Timmy Allen out of Texas. Um, probably pretty predictable for you, Brandon. Um, probably on your list of who you think I'm going to have. Uh, Timmy Allen, uh, 6'6 forward, transferred into Texas last year. Had a really good year. Um, kind of helped anchor the team, even though there was a lot of uh, a lot of transitions last year. Allen was a, a bright spot. High field, high field goal percentage. Um, expect him to get even better this year. At number two, I have guard LJ Cryer out of Baylor. Uh, Cryer was really good last year, as it was. Um, he helped guide Baylor to a one seed in March Madness. Um, while they lost to the eventual runner-up North Carolina in the second round, uh, Cryer was an important part of this team throughout the year. Um, expect him to be right there with the rest of the Baylor team once again. Uh, next up on my list is Mike Miles out of TCU. Uh, he's probably the, the best player coming back for TCU. Um, really talented guard. Like we said, uh, TCU is bringing back all of their starters uh, from last year, so expect Miles to lead the bunch. And then my last two, uh, Dylan Mitchell, number four recruit in the nation, going to be at Texas uh, with Chris Beard, one of the best coaches in the nation. Um, how can you not pick this guy to be right there uh, at the top of the line for the Longhorns? Um, Mitchell is really going to bloom with the help of the talent's already around him, uh, and along with uh, Coach Be- Coach Beard. Um, so yeah, expect a lot from this kid. Uh, and then lastly, um, Sky Yuma, Go Gophers, uh, Marcus Carr, uh, once again at Texas. Um, I picked Carr not just because he's a Gopher, and I, I've seen him play um, a lot when he was with Minnesota at Williams Arena. Uh, I picked Carr because he knows how to lead a team, um, and he's a really good guard. So while Mitchell and Carr probably can't coexist at Big 12 first-team player of the year caliber, um, one of them will definitely be right there. What are your thoughts? I seriously feel like we switched personalities for this player of the year list. Really? Oh my okay. gosh. I guess I didn't um, the big man like you thought I would. Exactly. I was expecting <laughs> big men and Minnesota. I did get Carr. I thought you would add Kelsher. Uh, I thought you of well, you're you hate Oklahoma State, so I guess that makes or Oklahoma the state as a whole. So that makes sense why you didn't choose any big men. I I'm a little bit surprised you chose Tibby Allen. I that one did surprise me a little. I thought you would have had Mitchell and Carr and not a third from Texas, but you surprised <laughs> well, me a little there. You got to hedge your bets. You got to pick uh, pick the winning team. Uh, the best team in the Big 12 is going to have the player of the year. I mean, if you do that, you got to go all in. I mean, you left out Hunter. You left out, out Bishop. <laughs> Why? Learn from the, other the three. experienced. 
The other three are better candidates for the player of the year. Uh, the other two will be good. I I get what you're saying, but Allen, Mitchell, and Carr. Those are the three. I I really hope it's Hunter. I really, really do. You want to know why? I know why, because I won't ever live this down. Yep, and he's my number one on my list. <laughs> Even worse for me. Uh, who else is on your list? So, like I said, Tyrese Hunter, I have at number one. I think this offense is just built for Tyrese Hunter. He's, I think his Instagram handle is Walking Bucket, which that's what he is. He can make buckets. And with this offense, I see Carr driving very nicely and dishing it out to Hunter for a nice easy three. Just swoosh. And him getting a lot of points, being a big part of the offense, and letting you down. So I am so happy you did not choose him. Uh, Number two on my list, Mosua Sissi. I think I said that right. I probably said it wrong. 7-1 center from Oklahoma State. Big man. I see a really small conference. I see a lot of players that will not be able to match up against him. And I don't know how you didn't choose him. I see him growing. I see him basically averaging a double-double. I hope he averages a double-double because that would look really good and put him in the big 12 player of the year category. So I added him as my number two. Tanner Groves I have as my number three. Uh, Big men. I'm riding this train for some odd reason, which I guess the reason is because you didn't. It would have been hilarious if I did this before you and then was like thinking you would be the same exact way as me. But yeah, you have a void at Oklahoma with Gibson leaving. You have your big man that scores 11.6 points per game coming back. I see him scoring even more. He shoots 53.2%. Like, that's a really good percentage, especially when you shoot a fair amount from three and he still has a three-point percentage at 38.1. He's all around a good player, and not many big men have a a free throw percentage above 70%, and he has it at 72.9. I see him drawing a lot of fouls and making a fair amount of free throws because the year before he had a 77.8, percent free throw percentage so if he can balance it and make three out of four give or take he's going to get a lot of points and so i had to put him on there then mile or mike miles he got 15.4 points per game while he was battling injuries and stuff that one's a no-brainer i know you even put it on your list showing that you somewhat have a brain then, huh. Keontae George, 
I do believe I mispronounced his name earlier. I think I said Keynote instead of Keontae. But yeah, Keontae George, uh, 6'4", shooting guard. I see a really, really elite player. A very smooth shot. He can make some crazy shots. And I see him feeding off of Cryer and Flegler. I see those three just competing nonstop. I see the freshman being the headliner because he's a freshman. Fair enough. Um, yeah, representing the big guys really well on your on your list there. Uh, I'm the big guy myself, so I support that. Um, I don't want to uh, get on too hard for that. Um, honestly, I thought you were going to say Keontae Johnson when you said Keontae. Um, thinking about the guy who, who transferred from Florida. Um, he's on Kansas State now, but wrong Keontae. You and your Florida. So, Florida, Florida's going to be good this year. I'm telling you, Florida's going to be good this year. You have no response because I'm correct. No, it's just that terrible of a statement that it does not deserve a response. It (laughs) freezes a person's brain on, yeah, so... Yeah. You are never going to hear the end of it when Florida makes the Final Four this year. As long as Tyrese Hunter wins Big 12 Player of the Year, I'll be happy. <laughs> All right. Speaking of Tyrese Hunter, uh, very funny. Um, Tyrese Hunter last year, Iowa State. Um, field goal percent, 39.1%. Pretty good. Um, but for the six-foot guard, his three-point percent last year was 27.4%. That's not good. Um, and then on top of that, his free throw percent, 68.7%. Also not good. Um, he's got to turn that around big time this year if he is going to be player of the year in the Big 12. What's the trick? How do you see him getting better at that? I know you're going to argue with me on this, but Iowa State had little to no talent on that team. So he was covered heavily and he had to take a lot of shots to try and win games for this team. And they did win enough games. Here's here's a name for you. Have you ever heard of Isaiah Rockington? Nope. Never heard of him. Okay. That's what I thought. (laughs) Yeah, I know he was on Iowa State last year. I know Kelsher was on Iowa State, but I mean, mm-hmm. they had to rely on Tyrese Hunter more times than not because he was their guard. And when you have limited tools around you to use, you're going to have to use yourself more times than not. You saw him shooting double digits like for field goal attempts per game. He took a lot of shots. And when he was on fire, he was on fire. And with Marcus Carr, Marcus Carr is a great guard. A great guard. 
I'll give you that one for your gophers. Uh, but he left for a reason because he is a great guard and he deserves better. So a uh, little bit of a backhand there for you. But yeah, I got that. You pair, I got that. <laughs> when you pair Hunter and Carr together, and you don't have, or when you also have the presence of Dylan Mitchell, you have the presence of Timmy Allen, you're going to get a lot of open shots. And he can shoot the ball really nicely. So his numbers are all going to be way up from last year. You're going to see a player that can play really well and be a threat for Big 12 player of the year. All right. Well, what you said does make sense. That was kind of the argument I expected you to hear or expected me to hear um, from you. Uh, I think that Hunter is going to kind of blend in more at Texas than he did at Iowa State. Um, he was definitely at least the third best player last year on the Cyclones roster, uh, Brockington and Kelsher being the other two. Uh, this year, Hunter could be, you know, from an opponent's standpoint, the number four, number five, number six guy that you're looking after. So it'll be easier for Hunter to get open shots, um, which ultimately might drive his value up to number two, number one on, on Texas's team. So we shall see. Um, I see your logic. I don't necessarily agree with it, but I see it. As, and now for as, our final section. What's that? I mean, that is just the definition of us. I see your logic. I don't agree with your logic. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, exactly. It, it very much fits. Exactly. When I am right, I am going to celebrate and have a party for myself, and you'll never hear the end of it. You wish. All right. Well, on that note, I'm going to move into our last section of the podcast, uh, and that is our bold predictions for the Big 12 this year. Um, we've kind of already leaked mine uh, throughout most of the podcasts, but I will reiterate them. Uh, the first one, the Big 12 does 3 P uh, on national titles over the last three years, including this year. I have Texas winning it all. Uh, obviously, last year, Kansas won it all, uh, and Baylor the year before. Uh I see a lot of promise with this Longhorns team in Chris Beard's second year, and I think it takes them all away. Uh, Additionally, the other team I see succeeding in March, uh, TCU, I think that this is Jamie Dixon's year that he, he finds a way to, to make it happen at TCU, his alma mater. Um, Like I said earlier, he had a lot of uh, success at Pittsburgh, um, making the elite eight once sweet 16, a couple times, even got a one seed one year. Um, so expect him to, to finally find his groove at TCU, despite having a few really not good years under his belt. And then finally, um, I have Kansas really being a disappointment this year to what the general consensus seems to be of the Jayhawks so far this year. Um, Kansas is currently number five in the AP preseason poll. I don't buy that one bit. Um, Kansas is bringing in talent, absolutely, but they are losing the talent they had that also had the experience. They're going to be relevant in the Big 12, absolutely, um, but Rock Chalk is not going to be as literal as it was last year. Kansas will not be a one seed. So, 
That's my two cents on the Big 12. Brandon? Uh, I will let you pat yourself on the back there. Can't really disagree with any of it. Uh, they are bold. I'll give you that because saying Big 12 is going to win it all for the third year in a row is reasonable, but also a bold prediction for like right now. Jamie Dixon, he's a solid coach. They're bringing back a lot of minutes. It's reasonable to say TCU will have a good year. Kansas disappoints is reasonable as well. I can't disagree with that. They are number five in the nation to start the year because they just won it all. And putting them anywhere lower would have been disrespectful. They could surprise you with their freshmen coming in. Uh, That will be a very easy thing that could happen. But I do also see them struggling a little bit more. There hasn't really been a back-to-back champion in a long time. I don't remember the year, but it's... I know who it was. Usually, oh, of course. You Off the top of my head, you walked yourself into this one. The last preseason or the last national champion to win back-to-back years was Florida, the Florida Gators, uh, 2007, 2008 national champions. Why did I open up my mouth? You asked for it. You're going to mention Florida as much as possible this year. And I am just going to disagree with you every single time until they are like undefeated in January. Then I'll give you that they're a decent team. They're good. (laughs) Uh, So, yeah, it's been a while. Usually. Uh, the previous year fails pretty early, so they usually make the tournament. I don't remember the last time a number or a past national champion has not made the tournament. You probably know that one too off the top of your head, but I don't, it, unfortunately. The team who usually wins loses first, second round. It's Tough for them to run it back. So it's very reasonable that Kansas disappoints. So pat yourself on the back. Decent list for bold predictions. Okay, uh, and then, I'll get into mine. Yeah. All right. So I see Chris Beard becoming the coach to go to. Uh, Coach K just retired. I see Beard stepping up and being the coach for transfers, the coach for freshmen. He already is, but it's always been Coach K. And then this year with Coach K retiring, they're talking about the big names like Tom Izzo, who's been around for a while. But I think it's Chris Beard. I think Chris Beard is going to run this decade i think he's going to make it back to the championship game and i think he's going to do what he did last time and be a runner-up um he took texas tech to the championship game they lost to virginia but he's going to get through one of these years i don't see it being this year 
I could see it being next year or the following year. That's very reasonable. So I see Beard being a great coach, and I also see the three-peat falling just short. Um, I do see Baylor bouncing back. They lost as a one seed in the round of 32 to North Carolina. Did we also miss them to start our episode? We totally did. Baylor? Uh, oh, we did. Yeah. <laughs> we didn't mention them either. Oh, we are hey, so bad we <laughs> today. We talked about Baylor a lot. Uh, Don't worry. Yeah. I mean, Baylor's good. He's definitely Baylor's got good. the air time. I would not feel bad about it as a Baylor fan. Uh, yeah. We just totally were struggling to start today. So. But Baylor bounces back after the round of 32 loss. They make it to at least the Sweet 16, and they don't miss a step. They'll be a little bit lower, in my opinion, but don't see them being like, oh, is this the downfall of Baylor? Nope, they're going to bounce right back. Um, Then lastly, I think if there is a team that absolutely shocks the nation, it's going to be Oklahoma State. They have what it takes. They, I've already spoken about them plenty, but if there is a team, they have zero votes for the AP poll to start the year. If there's a shocker that makes a run to the Final Four and everybody's like, who, like, how did this team make it? I think it's going to be Oklahoma State. If there's a team that makes that type of a jump, I think without a doubt in my mind, it would be Oklahoma State. That makes sense. Um, I know you've talked about Oklahoma State a lot already. Um, I don't need to to go at you about that again. Um, I've already discussed it. What you're saying does make sense, uh, unfortunately. So as for your Chris Beer prediction, that's fascinating that you think that he is going to be the coach of the 20s. Um, I don't disagree with that. I just didn't think about it until right now. Uh, but yeah, Chris Beard could be the next great head coach. Um, so we'll see if he wins one or possibly more national championships this decade, but I think it's a safe bet to say at least one. Um, three in a row prediction, obviously we're very similar there. Um, don't disagree with you too much on that. Um, and then as for the Baylor bounce back, that is intriguing to me. Um, Will it work out? We'll see. I think that Scott Drew is a great coach. I think that Baylor returns enough of their pieces to be very much competitive again this year in the Big 12. Um, I'm out early, I know, uh, but somebody's got to be out early. There has to be a few first-round exits um, that are surprising. And Baylor, just prove me wrong. Just, just play better, and then I'll have to adjust my, my predictions. Um, I do believe that this team will be competitive for sure. Perfect. So we both actually did decent in each other's eyes for the first time all preseason. Save the best for last, I guess. You are correct. Even though it really wasn't the best because we messed up more times than probably all the other episodes combined. So, (laughs) oh my gosh. That is all for me. I'm assuming it's all for you. So I'm going to close this out. I'm going say everyone thank you very much if you've listened to all seven if you've just listened to this one 
whatever preseason episodes you've listened to, thank you. It really means the world to both of us. We are living our dreams and you guys are helping support us do that. So really from the bottom of our heart, or at least my heart, Kyle might be heartless. Thank you all. So we look forward to following the Big 12 with you this year and see how our predictions turn out. Jesus, I did not think that you would uh, roast me in the in the outro to our episode today. Uh, well, uh, from Kyle, the heartless monster, uh, thanks for listening <laughs> to today, and we really appreciate it. Um, <laughs> we look forward to uh, to what's next with our with our podcast. Um, as Brandon said, this is the last of our seven preview episodes for the year. Um, next week is the start of college basketball. Uh, which means that our, our first regular season episode uh, of the Saucy Staff Bros will be dropping next week. Uh, that'll be kind of our week zero episode. So we're going to um, talk about the start of the season, make our final four predictions for the year, uh, and talk about the games that are that are up ahead and, and kind of what our podcast is going to look like uh, for the year. So we look forward to seeing you all at that episode. We're really looking forward to it. Um, and that's all for today. So, we are the Saucy Staff Bros Podcast. We appreciate your time, and we will see you all on our next episode with the regular season starting. Until then, peace out. <laughs>